Happy Thanksgiving. I wanted to thank you for being a listener of The Catholic Gentleman. Sam, Devin, and I have some great conversations planned, and we look forward to sharing them with you. This week, we are spending time with our families, so you will find today one of our all-time most listened-to episodes with Jason Craig on why boys are not becoming men. Jason is also the guest expert this month at Catholic Gentleman Plus, where we had an incredible discussion on fatherhood. Remember, Advent is right around the corner, so don't jump into Christmas right after Thanksgiving. It is a penitential season, and we want to put in the appropriate time and discipline to allow Christ to better perfect us. As Pope Benedict stated, Advent, this powerful liturgical season that we are beginning, invites us to pause in silence to understand a presence. It is an invitation to understand that the individual events of the day are hints that God is giving us, signs of the attention he has for each one of us. How often does God give us a glimpse of his love, but they go unnoticed because we are absorbed in our numerous interests that monopolize our time? I encourage you to recommit to your daily prayer time and to use this week between Thanksgiving and the first Sunday of Advent to discover what you will do personally and within your family to make this Advent more a season of presence and expectation of the Eternal. God bless you this final week of the liturgical year. We hope you enjoy. Please keep us in your prayers. How do boys become men? And how do fathers guide their sons to authentic masculinity? Today, we meet with a man who has spent years discerning and practicing this, as well as an experienced homesteader and even hails from a genealogy of bourbon makers. Stay tuned to hear it all. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Gentleman podcast. Uh, John Heinen and myself are your co-hosts, Sam Guzman here, and we are joined today uh, by a farmer, an author, um, a retreat leader, uh, a lot of different things. Um, his name is Jason Craig, and basically I like to compare him to the Catholic version of Wendell Berry. Uh, but he's more than that, actually. Uh, he writes and works and hosts on-farm retreats at St. Joseph's Farm. And he's the co-founder and executive director of Fraternus, a leading apostolate for Catholic mentoring. And uh, Jason holds a master's degree from the Augustine Institute. And he is the author of Leaving Boyhood Behind, Reclaiming Catholic Brotherhood, which is a fantastic book that I recommend to everyone. Uh, and he also goes uh, on a tear about his family inventing bourbon, which which I have a feeling you've been uh, contested about that, but uh, <laughs> but that is a that is a fine distinction if if it's true. So yeah, well we'll we'll save that as a teaser for the end, right? We'll All right, excellent. Explain excellent. that. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome, Jason. It's it's great to have you. Thanks, Sam. Good to be here, John. Good to meet you. I've known Sam for some years, uh, so it's good to be here. You're still uh, working on initiating me into manhood, uh, but uh, uh, it's a but long no, really, process for some, Sam. It uh... yes, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working. On it. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about about raising boys and and what does that transition to manhood look like? Because I think in our culture, there's so much confusion there, and even if a boy is, you know, not gender confused, he's still 
questions, how do I become a man? What does that mean? And I think there's a lot of men walking around today who suffer from imposter syndrome where, you know, maybe they even have a good job. Uh, maybe they're married uh, or maybe not, but they just feel like a child inside still. <laughs> and they yeah. still feel like they've never really arrived at this thing called manhood, even though they have all the maybe external trappings of that. So, so I'd love to talk to you more about that. Um, yeah, I guess let's just get started. Can you tell us a little about yourself and how you ended up working, um, you know, on the farm where you work and writing and uh, leading retreats? Like, what, what, how did God lead you to this point? Yeah, that's well. All those things, I guess, are intertwined. Like we hope, good things are. Um, I did not. I was not raised Catholic. I was not raised uh, really any sort of faith. Um, followed the allurements of the world we don't need to expound on them they're all the same the devil is uh because he's not uh the creator he's not creative so all, all the old sins uh that a lot of men know um i came to know um our lord through a protestant ministry when i was like around high school uh I've slowly long another long story perhaps a different uh podcast on becoming catholic um and then because I was involved with the youth ministry that um, sort of introduced me to Christ, I naturally got involved with Catholic youth ministry after I got, um, after I converted. But the thing I discovered, which was strange to me about Catholic youth ministry is that the youth ministry I was a part of was, uh, we went out after, you know, what we would call the, the farthest out people, those that are clearly and obviously far from God, the unchurched people outside mm -hmm. the church. Uh, in this organization, uh, it's called Young Life. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. Um, but Jim Rayburn and its founder, they're really the inventors of what, when people say youth ministry, um, what they picture of like young adults and maybe skits and music and like trips. And they kind of invented that um, uh, back in the day. And it's been adopted, in it, but it was invented in a lot of those methods and those ideas and that kind of image you might have was invented that we used and that I was sort of trained in was for, like I said, the unchurched people that are way far out there. What was interesting becoming Catholic and some of the, some of this in the Protestant world too, uh, is that those methods and that the ideals of that were adopted into the church, which there's some real strange things about that. Like, why do we, why do we use the methods that people who presume your child does not know the faith or does not know our Lord? We use those methods, presuming that these kids don't know God, don't know the basics of the gospel. So as I got into Catholic youth ministry, I had all sorts of trouble with it. I was sort of uh, in internal struggles that this is not the problem. Like we don't need a Sunday night meeting and like all. The so uh, slowly just and through observation, just seeing, well, um, Catholic kids with solid fathers practice the faith. Catholic kids without solid fathers don't practice the faith. So that was my, that was just an observation. But then I studied more, you know, kind of a long story, but uh, went and got my master's in this and was really um, focusing in on this. And it, it just, it does come down to things we already know. I'm sure you've talked about on this podcast a hundred times, the importance of the family, the importance of the father. Um, so much so that uh, I got involved with this apostle early on, really before it started. Uh, so co-founder of Fraternus, um, which the 
if I, we don't have this isn't what the the I guess today is about but if you were to to make like a shift in how we understand things is a lot of youth ministry things for youth young men today it's like how do we reach young people today we've got to reach them with the gospel and um we've got to make it relevant to them and and that's actually really exhausting and it's kind of silly if you can't reach your kids I mean they live with you what do you mean reach them they're you you, you know where they are at all times I mean if we can't reach them uh, how are we going to reach anybody it's kind of this absurd idea like reaching young people today like they live with you. Um, the problem, particularly with young men, is not that we can't reach them, is that they don't reach us, right? Mm -hmm. It's that there's not, they don't have ways for them to join us as men. And then a lot of the things and the efforts that we do to, and quote unquote, try to reach them actually just leaves them in adolescence, confirms them in their boyhood. And very rarely does it, does it um, draw them up into a sort of Catholic masculinity, a Catholic manhood that we want for them and we know we want this but we they just keep spinning their wheels in adolescence before you know it they're 19 20 21 years old or 25 26 or 30 31 32 and they're insecure as as we were talking before the show they're insecure they feel like they're boys walking around they're not married they want to get married but they've trying to get the career and they're all sorts of confusion when other historically and and broadly speaking around the world you know, men by 15, 16, 17 are, are understood in their cultures and societies, men, and they're very secure in what their, their calling is, what they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do. Uh, whereas we've got even really good Catholics just spinning their wheels in this deep-seated insecurity, and they don't know what to do with themselves. Um, and a lot of it is we're, we're, we're to blame for that. Sorry, wait, I got off on that. My, but my end story, that was the fraternist thing. Um, yeah, so I, that, that was kind of the trajectory uh, you know, the living in the world of Satan, uh, mm -hmm. being introduced to Protestant Christianity, having a conversion, uh, being introduced to uh, more Christianity as Catholicism, um, becoming a Catholic, going to school. Uh, and then in that time of study, that's part of how we got to the farm that uh, we were in Denver studying. I, I was in, I was in Denver studying. We we're working. I was working for fraternists. Um, and I don't know if that's when we made a connection, Sam, or if it was after, I think it was after that. But um, as I was studying, you know, things like the industrial revolution, the removal of the father from the home, the lack of integration between homework, economy, these sort of things, you know, that, and a lot, of, I think every man has at some point his agrarian bug. Uh, at some point, everyone wants to move to the farm and does, and maybe they mm -hmm. make it, maybe they don't. The average is about two years that they stay and then they leave, go back to the city. <laughs> but um you know, there is a there is a truth in that, that society did not have such a hard time with making men out of boys when uh, our work and our homes were more integrated. So that was our desire to come back. I've been really blessed, Grace, not my own achievement, just a, a, all kinds of uh, undeserved gifts that have made it possible that we can live on a farm. So we live, now we live in Western North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. It's my home state. Uh, so we're back here sort of at home. And uh, we've been, I guess we're about 12 years into homesteading and we've been hosting, uh, I call them weekends now. I don't like calling and saying I'm a retreat leader because like people show up and like, look, I, I don't know that the, I don't have a map to the interior castle of your soul. So, but we can help kill a pay together and talk about what it means to be human for a while. Um, so that we'll, we'll call it hosting weekends. We've been doing that, I, I don't know, six, maybe six years. Uh, very fruitful. It's one of my favorite apostolates or kind of aspects of that. Um, yeah. Does that answer your yeah. question? That's how oh, we yeah. got here. Yeah, that's that's more than enough. 
Absolutely. No, that's that's exciting. And I'm glad to hear that because, um, you know, every man listening is coming from a different walk and a different experience. And so you would would you say you were uh, raised an atheist? You Did you have a father figure in your life when you were growing up? I'd like to hear yeah. just a little bit more about that before we jump into these rites of passage and everything like that, that that you've laid out. Yeah, well, blessedly, I mean, part of um, my. As researching the book, researching stuff on rites of passage, I was actually fascinated with, even though my upbringing was not Christian, I would describe it as um, kind of typically Southern. So mm-hmm. uh, Flannery O'Connor calls it the Christ, the Christ haunted South, where yeah. Jesus is sort of everywhere, um, but as like a, um, a ungrounded spirit or ghost. Um, so, I mean, that was there, not a, not any kind of personal conviction or just sort of like you would say things like, well, it says in the Bible that blank. But you don't ever read the Bible. So there's a sort of it's a if you're not from the South, you might not. But I guess it's it's common in other places, in the United States. Um, so I grew up in that, but not going to any kind of church regularly. Um, as far as <clears throat> having good I do. My parents were divorced. But yes, I had a good father figure um, that and it was particularly good because even with all his imperfections and to this day, uh, he's not any kind of real believer, I would say, or a Catholic, although. He went to mass with us last week and has threatened, uh-huh. threatened to become Catholic, but he's done, he does that every couple of years, but I think he might be more serious this time. We'll see. Um, pray for pray him. For that. Yeah. Pray for him. Pray for Martin Craig to become Catholic. Uh, Cause he knows it's the truth. So now he's in danger if he doesn't. Yeah. Um, so, um, but when I was about 12, I moved from my mother's house uh, to go live with my dad. And that was very much for me leaving sort of this world of of maternity and boyhood and entering he was a blue collar man uh working grading land clearing plumbing and um i just kind of entered into that world in a way that was really fruitful uh and that i can look back and recognize now while that was essential i don't think i would be the man i am today if that hadn't if i hadn't been able to be with that man right who formed me so my father very much formed me as a man uh it would take other men to form me as a christian man um, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, as GK Chesterton said, every, every saint is a man before he's a saint. Right. So, uh, mm-hmm. that was a, something I'm very, um, happy to have encountered. Yeah. That's why our motto is, uh, be a man, be a saint, right? Be a, so, yeah. That's okay. so good. That's a yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so this, this, it's interesting. You mentioned like leaving, you know, even leaving your mother and like going, going to live with your dad. Now, obviously, um you know a situation like that isn't the ideal but on the other hand like there is um kind of leading us into this rites of passage um and how boys become men um there there does seem to be a need for separation from safety and the nurturing of the mother and like kind of stepping out into danger like can you take us into yeah. this like, what did you learn about rites of passage you wrote a book about it and it's a good right. book and and uh, it kind of breaks us down this lost concept of rites of passage. So yeah, just tell us. A little yeah, bit. let's. Uh, what I'd like to do is give the broad philosophy of it, because yeah. that keeps us. Even though I have very tangible things, like I've already mentioned, like oh, work on my dad is a plumber, and we kill pigs. We can get <laughs> lost in some real like uh, machismo or or silly yeah, stupid yeah, things. Yeah. And uh, I think Sam and you and I have talked over the years long enough to know that even the Catholic men's world can get really weird and stupid really fast. Um, so, um, do you, you wear that, a sword to the grocery store? Um, <laughs> like, yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons Catholics are coming. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, 
how not to be a weirdo 101. So yes, what, what I wanted to do when I was researching the book, it was genuinely research, trying to understand this from an anthropological sense. Like why did cultures unlike our own not have this trouble? Right. And, and I do call it trouble. I think when people, if we were to describe, I don't know what, you know, you're in your audience, what makes people go, Oh, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. But mm-hmm. You know, we have two extremes. We have like the passive, uh, you know, explicitly effeminate male, right? We might call it a wimp, for lack of better words. And then we have this hyper-aggressive, has to prove to everyone, every room he walks in that he's a man, like yeah. the jerk or the bully or whatever. And uh, obviously those are extremes. So how do we how do we come about so, sort of what a normal, secure, healthy manhood looks like? And I'm sure you guys have had to wrestle with it we wouldn't be wrestling with it if it wasn't a problem in our culture right mm-hmm. there'd be no catholic gentleman podcast if it was something right. so explicit you didn't need to talk about it it'd be like having a podcast about how the sun rises every day right mm-hmm. if it were to if the sun weren't what wouldn't rise tomorrow maybe we would uh you know start a podcast about it mm-hmm. um so the, the philosophical concept or really it's it's anthropology the study of man how do cultures recognize that there's a difference between being a boy and being a man that's why they're different words. Mm-hmm. They seem to have, or, or, or anthropology looks at, how do they do that? How do they make the, this transition from one thing that's not something else? I mean, that, that's something else, something different. Um, so it comes from a book. I mean, the, the idea of Rites of Passage comes from a book by that name, by a, an anthropologist named Arnold von Gennep. And he actually wasn't studying boys becoming men. That's just what most of us know this concept as. What he was studying is how do people's, that exist that have a cohesive structure right like sort of social cultural religious structure how do they bring someone in that's not one of them right mm-hmm. how do they initiate them so the purpose of an initiation is you want to go from this state of life to another state of life but those two states of life they don't they don't they're in conflict you cannot live them at the same time yeah. okay that's an important thing so when we say initiation because people are like oh i went to chile and i jumped off this cliff and it was a rite of passage yeah and it's yeah. like no it wasn't it's just really memorable and there's lots of things that are really memorable that aren't rites of passage right mm-hmm. a uh a rite of passage is what occurs when you have made a transition in your life to something that you weren't before so von Gennep was studying military you know you can't just walk onto the battlefield and say hey, i'm one of you guys now i put on a uniform uh, he was studying religious orders. How do religious orders do it? How do they make? How do they initiate someone who's not one of them? Yeah. Um, they study. He studied villages. You know, sort of uh, what we would call ancient civilizations that still exist today. Uh, a village where to belong to them is or not to belong is a matter of life and death. Right? How do they bring them in? Um, he, so he studied all sorts of things. We just have in our memory boys becoming men because for I think a couple reasons. One, it's so necessary that societies that don't initiate their boys seem to have way more trouble, broadly speaking, than societies that do. I mean, that's yeah. a, when they stop initiating their boys, it's like a, it's a um, deadly thing. I mean, deadly. Um, the other reason is that it's so universal. So for example, all healthy cultures have always had initiation for boys. All cultures have not had initiation for girls. It's less necessary, and we won't get into that, but it's because girls biologically and socially grow more naturally into their vocation as like sacrificial life-giving creatures. Uh, Men, for whatever reason, God has ordained it thus that something has to sort of be added onto them. They have to be given and bestowed 
um, this masculinity. So setting aside the man thing, though, Von Gennep, what are the three things? He said there was three things that happened to be initiated. One, the old way of life has to be left behind or killed or severed in some way. Uh, symb- obviously symbolically killed, but sometimes that symbolism was, it's, it's ruthless. Mm. So you got to leave, the old way of life has to come to an end. There has to be a transition, like a sort of instruction or a giving of the tools or some sort of ceremonial uh, in the, that second stage. That's what that is. That second stage is, all right, we killed your old guy. Let me give you the new identity that you're going to be now. And this is actually, that's the stage that everyone knows when we talk about rites of passage. They're like, go kill a lion or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's actually the easiest stage, mm-hmm. just so you know. The, um, For all the Samsons listening, go kill a lion. Go kill now um the third stage is he called incorporation where whatever the body you're joining you fully become a part of that body and that's another thing about initiation is it's almost always an individual and his own ego dying so that he can join some sort of corporal body that already exists so both you guys Mm. are married right yes so you've been through a rite of passage Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus identifies these three parts. For this reason, a man must leave his father and mother. The two of them shall be joined and they shall become in corpus, one flesh, right? Flesh. Incorporated that last stage. You're brought into a body. So you walk into the church separately as two individuals. You leave as a body that never existed before, right? And that first stage will never happen again. The second stage will never happen again. But that third stage, incorporation, just gets deeper and better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the most confirming way if we're going to look at this sort of philosophically broad big picture the most confirming aspect is that our lord and the economy of salvation and the sacraments themselves has adopted this human need to be initiated right so we know as saint paul i mean the teaching of the church is you can't be not a christian and a christian at the same time right and if you want to come join so i'm an adult convert i went through initiation and the church actually uses the language of initiation and sometimes we don't even think why would that language be used as well because you're not one of us i don't i don't you're not one of us to to become one of us to be in christ you have to be initiated you can't just walk in and sign the roles right and this was a a huge dilemma in the church uh early on like how do who do we recognize who's who's in who's not how do we bring them in uh so we get beautiful things like lent and and the easter vigil and like a lot of these things are revol- a lot of our very Christian life revolves around how are we initiated, and she u- the church uses the language of the the first sacraments, the three sacraments of initiation, and they correspond exactly to von Gennep's um, scheme or his observation. Mm. Excuse me, it's his observation. Right? The best anthropology is is observation that he's yeah. looked at what man needs, um, and if this is truly human. Well, it's truly divine, and we shouldn't be surprised that the very way that man initiates sort of on a natural level, that God also does that supernaturally. So the first sacrament of initiation is baptism. Uh, for this, you know, and, and we, we've seen this, most of us see the sprinkled infants, um, but if you've ever seen a full immersion baptism, it looks like killing somebody, right? Yeah. To get yeah, dunked underwater long. three times in a row without a lot of breath in between. That last one, you know, they come yeah. up. Uh, and St. Paul says, you who have been baptized in Christ have been baptized into his death. Yeah. Right. So, yes, it's a womb of new life, but not until first we got to kill the old Adam. All right. Mm-hmm. There's no resurrection without death. We got to kill him. So uh, in our Lord's goodness, he drowns him right, <laughs> in baptism. The second sacrament of initiation is confirmation. All right. I just killed you. Now you need because your old life just died. So now I'm going to give you all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to give you the experience of a new name, even that great custom, uh, even even traditionally the slap on the cheek. So you remember this moment right. when you became something different. Uh, and so th this corresponds with. In lots of cultures, the way and lots of and not just for men and boys, right? I'm talking about military, all sorts of stuff. All right, you leave your old way of life behind. What am I going to give you so that you can live this new way of life? Well, here's all the tools you need. Here's the instruction you need. Here's the tools you need. Here's the identity. Here's your new name. Um, and then the third sacrament of initiation, the church even uses the same language to explain it as von Gennep did and his observations, which is in that moment, you're fully incorporated into the body of Christ. It's like, how do you know you've been initiated into something when you do what everyone else does? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is what do Christians do? We worship God and receive Holy Communion. I mean, that's St. Thomas Aquinas says that confirmation deputizes you for the worship of God. So you're going to be deputized once, but you're going to worship him for eternity. Eventually. It's a funny eternity. Eventually. Is that there's probably something wrong there. Um, the eventuality of eternity or something. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, we're good. Anyway, yeah. so you guys see. Sorry, I'm paused for a minute. Do you see how these things? The great thing is we're talking about initiation and we're not talking about weird man stuff yeah. just as a, uh, a concept. I mean, something you've been through yourself. You've been initiated. Mm -hmm. Sam, you're an adult convert, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So you went through them. Yeah. A lot of us, we might miss the, uh, in, in our infant, of course, I'm baptizing all of my children and everything, but we do miss when you're an adult and you have to leave behind Protestantism and then be confirmed and then receive communion to consciously have to sever yourself with an old way of life and an old people. I mean, you're, you can be, of course, we know you can be friends, but realistically, there's a big loss for us that are adult converts. We lose, we lose communities and friendships and, and, but we have to, in order to join the body we're attempting to join. So I'll pause there. Any questions? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got more questions than we'll possibly have time for, but I think that's, that's an, a great framework and, and for us to, to look at. And, and I could say that even for, um, you know, Catholic individuals that maybe uh, were raised Catholic and stuff like that, you'll experience some sort of initiation, uh, some sort of this process in, in denying the ways of the world, right? We have to, we have to have that. So I want to open this up to you, Jason, and, and bring it down to how do you practically now apply this uh you know this philosophy this you know um yeah. anthropology to boyhood to masculinity yeah so that's <clears throat> that's what i love on uh when we do the weekends is on the first night we go through this philosophy of it in detail because that saves us from doing dumb things um <laughs> like that's it spread the coals out boys walk across them. <laughs> now. um and but you but you still do those right no, yeah oh yeah by the end by the end yeah <laughs> firewalking yeah. Firewalk. Yeah. which by the way yeah is an initiation um the reason i want to bring that up though is you'll see this classical literature from from the odyssey to the karate kid this is like the the, the schema of every initiation or like big change yeah. to apply it the way vong and applies it to boyhood and that i think once you see this you'll you'll recognize oh that's just it's observably and obviously true, but it also it's liberating, but it can also be kind of depressing because it's like, wow, this is uh, clearly our problem today. Yeah. Um, the last thing I would say, though, is it's important when we talk about defining masculinity, we can go in circles, right, and just kind of talk about the accoutrements of masculine things. But ultimately, what we're talking about is to reach our end, that thing for which 
that is what defines how where we're going, right? So how and who gets to define that is critical. So the way Von Gennep applied this to boys is that the first stage of initiation is that the boy has to leave his boyhood behind. Um, hence the name of that book. That yeah. there has to be an end a, a put the boyhood has to have a severing. So we know ancient cultures had this all the time. Um, even, I mean, St. Paul, one of the most famous script, scripture passages of all time, he goes through 1 Corinthians 13, the litany of love. Love is patient, love is kind, love is all this. And a lot of us stop at this beautiful litany of love, and we don't get to the end where he relates it, this sacrificial love to when I was a boy, I acted like a boy. I did the things that boys did. But when I became a man, and so he lived in a culture that had rites of passage. And so in my book, we don't have time today, but uh, I wanted to root this in, in our Lord's life, right? And he very much in the, in the episode in Luke 2, losing in the temple, yeah. he very much has an experience of being severed from his boyhood and becoming a man. But for Jewish boys, there would have been places in the temple, right? You're making this pilgrimage to the temple. You get there. There's all kinds of people there, women, children, even Gentiles. Then there's a place where you can go where the women, the Jewish women can go with you. Then there's a place you can go where only the men can go. Just imagine year after year, you see your father go through those doors, right? And then one day he says, come with me, right? I mean, so obviously cultures that have a moment where the boyhood ends is critical. So it has to die. I mean, some African tribes, they would actually have, uh, it's very theatrical. They would put the boy in a coffin and allow the mother to, to wail the loss of her son. Because she had to, and this is a big part of the book, is that moms have to accept a boy becoming a man. Because when he's severed from his boyhood, he's largely severed from her and her wow. world. Because he, he was conceived inside of her in utopia, right? In the womb. You're never hot, cold, tired, anything. Hungry, right. nothing. You've got everything you ever need. And then you're born. That's kind of rough. And she continues her attempt at recreating utopia for you caring for your bodily needs, which by the way, is good. That's what she's supposed to do. Yeah. Boys that continue to live in the maternal world, however, though, where they, they can begin to view the world as it's here to make me not hurt, right? It's here to make me comfortable. It's here to give me my needs. Um, we can see how you got to put an end to that eventually, right? <laughs> or that can yeah. become really dangerous. So they would put in this African tribe, they would put the boy in a coffin, allow the mother to wail, publicly the death of her son right and then they would process the uh, coffin out of the village and he would go through his rite of passage uh, and then when when he returned she would actually reintroduce herself like hey who are you young man i'm my name you know uh so obviously there's some theatrics to this but ceremony yeah. that's, that's pretty profound um so the first stage you have to leave your boyhood behind if you continue living in the world as a boy without any tangible kind of observable change in the way you live that's a problem yeah um the second stage is that here's the, here's the problem, though. I'm severing you from your boyhood. I've killed the boy. Well, now who am I? I've been a boy my entire life. I've never been a man before. Who will instruct me? So in the second stage is very often these were ceremonial parts of it. Um, but most importantly, it was instruction. You're given the tools. You're given the mentoring. You're given the guidance. You're giving uh, what that boy needs to become a man. These are the ways. This is how men act, right? Instruction. And maybe there's some ceremonial, some experience, some an experience of pain. Oftentimes, this is why, like, there's a one Aborigine tribe. If you sit, they're all smiling, and all the men are smiling together with that big, perfect, like, uh, don't have dentists, but we have perfect teeth, tribal look. Yep. And they're all missing the same tooth. 
right? Because in their initiation, there's a moment where the tooth gets knocked out. Um, some some pr- tribes would have practiced, you know, uh, uh, adolescent uh, circumcision, you know, fire walking. Some of them would jump off of these, like, you ever seen the ones where they jump off the bungee cord and just kind of, but it's not a bungee cord. They just like hit their head on the sand. No. You ever seen that? I've well, I've yet to live apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Uh, there's or the ones in South America where they put the gloves on with like, mm. but they're ants. Like the gloves are made out of like Mm -hmm. the ants. So these are rites of passage. Now it seems ridiculous, but if having gone when you go through these experiences and the men are introducing you to sacrifice to pain, it's sort of formal. It's sort of a ceremonial way to put the ego to death, right? To kill that kid, but it's also in introduction of him to pain to endurance to sacrifice and also and i by the way i'm describing things not prescribing things okay yeah that's um, right Good but point. there I'm not, and i'm not saying we should imitate it but there's a logic i mean there's even a logic behind behind hazing right you can't just join yeah. this fraternity i gotta punch you in the face first 20 times or whatever the the we don't imitate but the logic of it is that i've got to kill you so that you can become one of us your individual ego i mean the best example that most of us accept it would be boot camp military boot camp yeah. Not only does military boot camp kill your ego, but it also puts you through the same experience with a whole bunch of other men. Then the other side of that experience, you know what you have with those men? Brotherhood. That's right. You know, sometimes it can be really hard. Um, and fraternities, our primary identity is we want to create, cultivate brotherhood amongst men. It's really hard, actually hard in our modern day because we're just trying to like drum it up from uh, our knowledge and it's without experience. Right. But you go through something hard with somebody, you don't have to be told your brother's on the other side of it. You just are. You just yeah. are. So anyway, second stage is that instruction, the ceremony. That's the, and then the third stage. And actually, when I got to this, writing the book, I'm like, that's it. We're screwed. This despair, this won't work. There's no rites of passage anymore. Uh, is incorporation that you have to be brought into a company, a body, a brotherhood of men. Uh, you know, Sam and I were talking about college students beforehand. A lot of them, they're they're at the age of manhood. And they're out, but what's ironic, they're also seeking out community, like wide open. And this makes sense is because it's the community that says you're one of us. And when someone says you're one of us, that's your identity. It's who I am. It's what I do. The reason that's such a challenge is that I'm sure you guys have dealt with this on the podcast. If not, you need to, the isolation, the loneliness, the, the, um, division, the lack of normal fraternity amongst men um makes it so that we can't even talk about initiating our sons because there's no us to initiate them into yeah so as i started at the beginning the you know to initiate someone is to bring them into some sort of body most often you can sever your son from boyhood cut him off from his mom whatever don't do that i'm just joking but uh you can make him put on a glove full of ants or go elk hunting or whatever but if there's no company of men on the other side to say you're one of us it's kind of like having a boot camp without a military Right. It's like, all right, I got out of boot camp. Okay, that was cool. Yeah. Right. It's like these guys that are just shredding themselves in the in the gym or whatever, putting themselves through this rigorous professional challenges or trying to be the best. It's like they're doing everything that should make them a great man. And like, I'm still empty. And what they really need is fraternity with mm-hmm. other men. Right. I mean, they that's what they they need to hear that um from other men. And I for us as Catholics, um, our identity as brothers is not a theme. It's not symbolic. It's, it's actual. It's true. We actually are brothers. And I know there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, great movements in the church that emphasizing like discipleship and all this stuff. But um, 
as sort of a like discipleship often recognizes, all right, I'm in direct relationship with disciple, a disciple of Christ, but I'm also like being taught by other people, I guess, discipled by them. Right? And that's the language we use. It's interesting to me that after the book of Acts, the Christians don't refer to themselves as disciples anymore. Yeah. That gives way to using the language of brotherhood, of fraternity. Because to be a disciple, there's something servile in it, a master teacher. I don't mean in a bad way, it's good. Like a master and a teacher. Whereas when it gives way to love the brotherhood, that is something, it's a different relationship. It's family, right? It's it's a bond that's unbreakable. Uh, it's a bond that has, obviously, you know, intuitively, we don't have to go in. It's an intuitive, deep meaning that we long for. And every renewal in the church is almost always a fraternal mo- movement, right? The Benedictines, right? the Dominicans, yeah. the Franciscans, right? Renewals in the church happen by fraternity, which is why I think, in all, and particularly modernism, and it's the way it isolates us from one another and aided by technology, um, makes it so that our own maturity is stunted. Our own ability to live virtuously is stunted. Uh, I mean, there are sins and virtues that you can only practice locally, right? Mm-hmm. According to Aquinas, like you actually can't feel shame except locally. You don't really have envy for someone you're not near. You only have envy for people you're close to. I mean, um, even the practice of charity itself, the form of all virtues, is to your neighbor. Well, who is that? It's, it, it, it's your neighbor. It's not complicated. Um, when it comes to, but when it, in relating that to our sons becoming men, until we men are brothers, our sons can't become men. That's just one way to think about it. If they don't have a fraternity of men to be initiated into, um, then how are you going to initiate them? That's that's the thing. So a lot of good lessons a dad can can give, but dads aren't enough. Dads mm-hmm. aren't enough. It's kind of just the start. Yeah, and uh, and all of that is is um, so helpful in understanding that process of boyhood to manhood. It's not just about going out and getting tattoos and like wearing leather and you know, <laughs> having a powerful car or whatever. Like it's right. uh, there's more to it than that, but. One one thought that I had while you were talking and describing all this is there has to be almost like something exclusively male, like you mentioned, like that going into the temple where there's like men only, you know, like allow for 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 there to be this sense of brotherhood, like and for a boy to to realize like I've arrived, like I am now part of this brotherhood of men because now I can do this thing that other men are doing. And yet you look around and like, there's so few things that yeah. are exclusively male and like, go, go join the wrestling team. Oh, you know, there's like there's a girl yeah. girls now. And like, you know, you, 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 uh, you want to be an altar boy. Well, actually there's girls there too. And, 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 you know, pretty much like football might be like one of the last uh, holdouts where there's like not a, uh, an intermixture, but, but, but that problem being like, we need the sense of brotherhood and yet there's so few things that are just for men anymore that it's very hard to create that without resorting to artificial means. And like, and that's why, you know, we talk about like, we can, we can talk about how like the male externals of like shaving or, you know, enjoying a good cigar or a good whiskey, like maybe on the surface, like those can be exaggerated. They can be really silly Sometimes I can be taken into this like realm of caricature or cartoon. But yet on the other hand, like I think the reason some men want to recover those things is because they want to have like those exclusively male markers. Yeah. 
So I'd be interested in your thoughts about like, how can we do this without it being, um, I mean, maybe we do need to fabricate it. I don't know, but like, but something where there is this exclusivity, like this is a male only thing and you have to be a man to do it. And yeah. Then- I mean, the, the quickest, like tomorrow, if we were to do something to help Catholic boys become better Catholic men, we're going to do one thing. It's kick the girls out of the room. Just full stop. Just, yeah. and not, no, I don't mean literally kick them. I mean, right. and, and, but to say for us to, in the church, and I hope we keep saying this, you know, boys are not girls and men are not women. And, you know, those are all different words that don't cross over easily. Uh, you can transition from boyhood to manhood, but not manhood to girlhood, right? Things like that. Um, we keep saying these obvious things. Yeah, we have to have spaces where only the men go, where only the men are ex- are having fraternity amongst themselves, where the, only the men are speaking as men to men, as brothers. And um, as just a side point, yeah, I'm very much a believer. In fact, Sam, I think when you early days of your site, I had an article uh, in defense of gentlemanly things on your uh, on the website back in the day. I guess it's still there. And uh, I very much make the defense that um, things like cigars, whiskey, shaving, all these, what boys are really wanting when they do these things is things that men do, right? And the key, obviously, is doing it together. But those men are physical. So I just gave a lot of philosophy. If I were to sit down with my son and say, hey, son, I would like to sever you from uh, the maternal care because the maternal is good, but you have to reject that within yourself so you can embrace your man. You know, I'd say this is not a, this is an experience, that's the great thing about a rite of passage is it wasn't words. It wasn't data. It wasn't information. And for damn sure, it wasn't a t-shirt at the end of the experience, right? That, I'm That's a man right. now t-shirt. Um, but my son, the other day, he said to me, okay, here's a great example of what you're talking about. Sam. So he, they asked, they asked me, when do I get to drink a beer? And I tell them when you do a, day, a man's day of work. Nice. And so my son, the other day, he's 10 he goes, on Friday, because we, we do school, we're homeschooled, uh, four days a week. And on Friday, it's kind of, uh, it's not, I keep saying it's not a day off, it's a work day. That's when they're supposed to work more on the, give me extra time on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I'm going to go work for this neighbor. We have a neighbor, a Catholic, great Catholic guy building a butcher shop next to us. He goes, I'm going to go work over there all day. I'm like, no, you're, yeah, okay. You know, all day to a 10-year-old. Is, and he says, I'm going to do it so I can drink a beer. and uh so that thing that drinking of a beer yeah that would be a mark the day where i hand him a beer so anyway those things you know cigars uh, that those things are actually the means that we can communicate something's different in you and they're great and they're enjoyable and we should enjoy one another's company and they you know I'm, i'm reading a great book uh the art of solidarity it's a kind of an academic study of medieval guilds Mm. i really recommend it though it's very well written but um it's a little bit of a tone, but, you know, they talk about these feasts that the guilds would have where they would feast together as a sign and seal of their fraternity with one another. Right. So there's there's a, a long history of us men enjoying. Um, things together, stuff. Right. And that's the, that's what I mean by rite of passage. So as far as us, what do we do? Uh, you notice in this whole this whole conversation, I haven't given you the answer. Right. like to do this thing it's not practical yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly but i mean we could we could i would but i would say the most practical thing is make sure there is a place where men go that women don't go particularly and girls don't go especially 
you know, in fraternities, we got, you know, we got a summer camp. There's 600 boys in the room. You know how to change the dynamic immediately. Just walk a girl in the room. That's all you got to do. So make a place because boys need instruction as men and only men can give instruction to boys as men to boys. So think places like catechesis should immediately tomorrow um, stop being co-ed youth groups. If your intention with your youth group is to make men out of those boys, well, you can't have girls in the room. It can't be led co-ed. Sorry, yeah. I just can't. It might be good. They might learn their faith and be more zealous or, I don't know, meet a wife, whatever. But they're not going to become men. This is not the space where that would happen. What makes you think? I mean, walk into your average youth group. Do you walk around and go, yeah, this is a man-making factory right here, you know? It might be good. I'm not putting it all down. It's just right. it's not what it's doing. For us men, we need to have culture amongst ourselves. So I live out in the country, right? We do farming. A lot of the men around here, we're not all farmers. I'm, I'm not. I, 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 it's kind of Sam to call me the, you know, well, actually maybe I am more like Wendell Berry and just, he's not a farmer either. He's a homesteader at best. Yeah. Um, but, um, so the culture around here is, you know, we split wood and we, we slaughter pigs and we do that together with men as men, you know, so do those things and you have to have your culture. And it, we should admit a lot of our work because it doesn't lend itself to necessitating the difference between men and women. That makes it harder for us. It is easier for men in cultures that have work that is proper and suited to men that requires physical strength. Like, why aren't girls football players? Because they'll get smashed, right? Mm-hmm. There, are, It's nice when there are jobs. You know, women are also not uh, – there are tons of jobs that women don't – one, they don't work those jobs, and they're not clamoring for them, you know, the trash men or, or the, you know, Alaskan fishermen. There's a lot of jobs that are very dangerous that we need a very strong and somewhat expendable – people to, to to man those jobs and they're men so anyway it does make it harder for us when our i mean i've been sitting here doing this uh you know man web uh, podcast with you guys I some kids walking in and out there's nothing i'm sharing with them and doing this that is a man making a day i can't share this with them so it is nice yeah. it's a benefit for me that i live on a farm there's things i can share with my sons that require endurance fortitude um the attention and discipline that a man needs and even his own strength you know uh, and there are jobs more suited to us. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. And I'm grateful for you saying it. Any of our frequent listeners will hear the same conversation on the barber episode about, you know, how do you ruin a barbershop is, you know, have a mom <laughs> or, uh, you know, a, a wife walk in along with you and a conversation just stops immediately or changes completely. Yeah. Um, no, so true. So, okay. So we're in modern times right now. You, we've got men who are fathers who are listening to this right now. They realize that they have been substituting um, a lot of other things in life for their lack of community or their lack of, you know, that initiation. And so they've got kids themselves and they're, they're excited about what you're saying. And they're realizing that they didn't get this themselves or they weren't aware of this need themselves how would you talk to those men uh so that they can not only um be aware uh have that transformation themselves but then at the same time be able to pass that along to their sons they're also living in a suburban uh neighborhood and and working a nine-to-five job yeah i don't want to overstate my ability to answer that question Um, (laughs) okay sounds good but obviously that's the most common question um one, I don't know. I don't I, I didn't quite catch your language, but something uh, I heard is like, well, that won't work, which is like, how do you transition yourselves or something? I mean, it's this I, I'm continually to continuously blown away by the implications of the doctrine of like the mystical body of Christ that you yeah. 
for example, you cannot baptize yourself, right? But baptism is necessary for salvation. Our need for one another, our need to be united with one another is, is I think, um, the greatest conquest of modernism and relativism is not um, all the, 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 the muddying of truth, which I mean that too, but that it has made us unable to really belong to one another in ways that, you know, St. Paul says that. He's like arguing with people. He's writing these letters. He's like, don't you know you belong to one another? Like, what's your problem? Mm. Don't you know you should be caring to one another? This is, have you not picked this up that we're all one in Christ, right? So that dad, he, you know, uh, Sam and I were talking about a guy who called me. He's in a very challenging situation. He used to be a part of a fraternist chapter. That's why he called. He used to be a part of a chapter where I was. And um, he called and he's having this really hard time with his son. And, and um, I said, do you have brotherhood right now? And he's like, no, that's why I'm calling you. <laughs> right? Um, and I, I do not live in some place where uh, the life of brotherhood has become easy and natural. It's something mm-hmm. to be fought for still. Um, so I don't want to exaggerate my own experience or, or, but I will say just like all of us know, rarely do we grow in virtue or knowledge or happiness alone that this is just that's just the first and primary thing that dads get together and then invite your sons in that order like first this is why in fraternus when we start fraternus chapters the biggest challenge and and um i'm in the midst of forming one somewhat nearby um is they're like well okay well the boys we gotta get the boys we got boys and then we'll do that and they're so in the mode of like running of dad's running programs for boys right like the you know troops or whatever it's like dad's running this program for boys and yes they have friendship and relationship but when we say we actually have chapters that's like all right you guys why don't you meet for a year as just men before the young men come and that's like mind-blowing like wait no but we gotta like help our boys right now it's like but they're not the problem Right. So if you're working nine to five, like, how do I raise boys today? Stop blaming them for a situation they didn't create. Oh, they're playing video games all day. Stop buying their video games. They don't get out with any men. They don't. So, okay, you're going to have to step one. You can't transition yourself. You can't. You, yeah. You have to. Um, can't give what you do not have. Can't give what you don't have. And you've got to yeah. have that fraternity. And, I've probably had different answers, you know, through different years of kind of wrestling through these things, but I can't believe how often it comes down to the relationship with the father, uh, both their own personal father uh, and other men that are mentors and God, the father. And then also just the relationship with other men as brothers, that that is such a source of security and support for us men. It's necessary. It's the one thing we're really bad at asking for. Uh, and it can get weird. There can be, there's, I mean, there are small groups I've been in. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not leaving. So everybody's crying. I can't, I'm, I'm out of here, you know, um, that are artificial and, and just so fake. You just can't. So, I mean, there is, we do long for the natural, right. Of just where this happens naturally without us being, but the fact of the matter is without us being artificial, the fact of the matter is we are not, you know, people might feel icky about the idea of intentional community. It's like, all right, well, one thing we know right now is that we're not going to be a community unintentionally. It's just not the way of life that we share anymore. I would love to not have to talk about this stuff. I would love if we all just sort of had this cohesive culture and folkways and dances and, and music that we share and all this stuff. But you know what? Your kids like different movies from mine. We all just consuming different mass media. We're not sharing and reading any literature. We, we just don't have that. 
So we've got to get intentional about it and or, yeah. or it's not going to happen. So I'm sorry if it feels icky, but you know, your teeth aren't going to clean themselves without a toothbrush and you're not going to have community without being intentional. So amen. I don't know if that's helpful or unhelpful. It was. Oh, no. I think it's <laughs> great. Beautiful. And then I was kind of going to ask you for a, a last uh, like exhortation for, for the, the men listening, but you kind of just gave it. So um but that's beautiful like we gotta just get intentional about this stuff these things don't happen automatically anymore uh let's step up and it starts with us dads uh it's not the kids fault like they're they're just doing what we let them do or we're they're we're they're just we're kind of letting those cultural forces take over and we've got to resist and and push back or or things are never gonna get better so we do have a tool Uh, can i mention this is this yeah, yeah, please. Uh, yeah. If uh, and Sam, I still haven't forgiven you for canceling your subscription, uh, but we have a magazine called Sword and Spade. I'm going to sign Sam up for free uh, called Sword and Spade. And this was really born out of um, men wanting to be engaged intellectually, seriously in their faith. They're really surprisingly, despite a lot of man themed things, there's really not a, a ton of depth out there. And, and things that are consumable and sort of short bites that aren't, and that also like aren't digital because those things come and go. We share them, we email them, we, we, and they just come and go. So we had this weird idea, I don't know, four years ago, of like, let's have a magazine. Cause a lot of these dads, they're nine to five dads, they're busy. I'm kind of a bookish guy. So I like to read, I'm like, oh, have you read this? And, and um, they're like, shut up, Jason. You know, I, I don't have, I'm just, I'm not a book reader at this point. I'm very busy, but a magazine is this, one, it's it's kind of incarnated reality. Like it's something in your hand. So it's got the, the the and there's all sorts of science behind the uh having a printed, you know, a page is different, right? You ought to read on pages. It uh it sinks into you more. Um but also written from men in the trenches dealing with, you know, so we had a great article. This these guys in uh, Birmingham, they're mechanics, they closed their shop for Catholic solemnities, like the assumption. Next in a Protestant neighborhood with and give their Protestant employees a day, a paid day off and they have a feast. And like, I, I want to read about that more than like, this is why, you, you know, it's, this is why solemnities are important. 10 ways to make a solemnity more special in your home, right? These are men that closed their shop and lost money, made a sacrifice in order to have a feast, right? So anyway, those are the kind of articles that are written, but also just putting them in the hands of groups of men so that they will, argue over it and discuss it and like point to pages. It's just, it's been a very fruitful thing. We've tried lots of emails and videos and all this stuff, but there's something about uh, that, that, that is the purpose of that kind of aspect of the apostolate is get men talking in the trenches in there and forming brotherhood around the truth, right? Cause what forms our brotherhood? What's, what's our, as Christian men, what is the, what is that boot camp? It's the boot camp of truth, of sacrifice, of, of living for Jesus Christ and not ourselves. That's our boot camp. We can keep growing in that incorporation, you know, ongoing with each other. Yeah. No, amen. And I appreciate you sharing that. So, well, Jason, where else can they find you? We'll put it in the show notes. We want to give you an opportunity outside of that, that great magazine. Um, where can they read some of your articles, uh, stay you know, up to date on what you're doing? Sure. I, uh, I haven't written as much lately. I'd like to. Um, but the Catholic gentlemen every now and then, uh, those Catholic men every now and then. Um, but um, they can, we host events here on the farm where this is very much these sort of cultural ideas 
uh, are the front and center of the experience. And yes, we kill pigs and then cook them and eat them and have a feast. Um, and that, that if they want to look up stjosephsfarm.com, uh, we actually have a homesteading weekend um, coming up in November, uh, November 5th, that weekend. Um, so spending time on the farm, those are always great. They can come see that this is very much not a, it's just piles of crap and kids everywhere. So um, not, not picturesque, but somewhat functioning. Um, and then they can, you know, put their name in what the contact form at fraternus.net uh, or um, St. Joseph's Farm and those kind of things. So it's out there. That's excellent. No. Well, Jason, I'm so grateful to to have met you and connected with you on this podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on again and then our relationship can just start and keep on going um, here on forward. Good. So yeah, thanks yeah. so much. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Well, and as we end each for episodes, be a man, be a saint.